Thank God for fences. Hey, Victory. Hey, happy Memorial Day weekend. We remember this weekend. Hey, I also wanna welcome uh, Canada, Cameroon, and Russia who are joining with us today, as well as all the Victory family online. What's up, everybody? Hey, um, it's about summertime again, isn't it? Which means we may not see some of y'all for two months, all right? Um, but here's the deal. I, I remember July 2019. Remember those days when we didn't have to wear masks and everything was like kind of normal? Um, my family packed up for our two-week like out west vacation. Anybody ever done the out west vacation? That's what we do. If you're like from California, that, you like go to New York, we go to California. Um, we visit because we don't really want to live there. Um, and we flew into San Jose, uh, California. We rented a car, drove over to the, the coast, got on Highway 1, drove up the Pacific Ocean to San Francisco, stayed there for a few nights. We, we did the whole thing. We rented the bikes, drove, you know, rode the bikes across the Golden Gate Bridge, got in the ferry, went past Alcatraz, the whole nine, right? And then, then we, we got in the, back in the car, we drove east to Yosemite, and some of the most amazing views you'll ever see in your entire life. We, we eventually drove south, um, and then we went all the way to Vegas, to Hoover Dam, to uh, Grand Canyon. But before we did that, between Yosemite and all that was the place I was most anxious about, the place I was most anticipating going because I had heard the stories of Sequoia National Park. Anybody ever been to Sequoia National Park? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it was founded in 1890. It, it actually, get this, it was the first part created to protect a living organism. And it wasn't formed to protect the bears, the fish, the deer. It was actually formed to protect the trees, giant sequoias. They're the oldest trees on the planet, the biggest trees on the planet, thousands of years old. And so as we started driving through being from the East Coast, you just don't see stuff like this. We see pine trees. <laughs> these are not, these like, these make the biggest pine trees you've ever seen look like little Christmas trees in your living room. This was just literally on the side of the road, like on the way to the park. This was there and we're like, oh, take a picture, right? It's what you do when you have kids. And so we got to the park and we parked and we began walking through on the path and we just stood in awe. And so we're walking through and then we round the corner and we saw what we had come for, General Sherman. All right, just leave that right there. Some of y'all, you can't appreciate this. Okay, this is the biggest tree in the world. It's actually the largest living organism on the planet. It's 275 feet tall. All right, for, that's, the, that's like a football field. All right, so I just, we tried to do this, okay? That, the little zoom in box on the right, those are people at the bottom. You see the little color? That's people. Now, take the people back over to the full picture. <laughs> 275 feet tall. It's, um, it's 103 foot circumference. In other words, if the tree had a belt, it would be a 103 feet long belt, almost 3 million pounds. They estimate it's 2,200 years old. Get this, this tree was 200 years old when Jesus walked the planet. Look at that. So we did 
what anybody would do if they found themselves in front of the biggest tree on the planet. We took a family picture. <laughs> but then we noticed something. General Sherman has a fence around it. Like the biggest tree on the planet has a fence around it. And then, then I started thinking back, right, across our path. And I was like, wait, at the bottom, there, there was a fence. And then I was like, there, there was also a fence at the next spot. Wait, hold it, wait. And I, and I started thinking about that. Like, that's odd, right? Like, do they have some tree hijackings? Like, wait, why? These are the biggest trees on the planet. It's not like anybody's stealing them. Like, like why are there fences? And I, I was like, maybe is it because, like, people, like, carve their names, like, Susie and Johnny for, like, forever, right? Right? Is it, is it? And then the park ranger started telling the story that when the area was first deemed a national park, there was a path, but there was no fences. And so people would walk along the path, but then they would seize the trees and they'd go out and do it and like hug the tree, right? Walk around the tree, touch the tree, like kiss the tree, right? And everybody's thinking what everybody's thinking. These things are giant, they're ancient. What can I do to this? Like what can I do to a 2,000 year old tree? What can I do to a 300 foot tall tree. What could I ever do to that by simply walking around it? And then the first tree fell. And then the second. And they couldn't figure it out. Right? Like the park rangers would leave for the night and they'd come back the next day. And here's a 2,000 year old tree laying on its side. And this is why, I mean, listen, that, you see the tree to the left. That's just the roots around the base that flipped up. We actually parked our rental car in front of it and it made it look like a peanut. Like, like this is just, come on, like these trees so old, but, but after just a few months, a few years of being a park, all of a sudden they're falling. And then they started doing research and they found out two things about the sequoias. They found out that they have a very shallow root system and they also found out, get this, is that they require more water than any other species on earth to live. And what was happening was this, it was so innocent, but what was happening was this, as people were walking around the tree, they were damaging the shallow root system. And they were taking this soil that was very, like, I mean, this is, they only grow from 5,000 to 8,000 feet. They, like, they grow up in the mountains, this very loose, fertile, rich soil. And as that slow, steady, constant pressure was walking around the base of the tree, it was slowly packing down that soil that what used to be loose and rich and fertile was now packed hard as concrete. And so the water would hit it. Instead of the water hitting it and sinking in, the water would hit it and run off. And you take a tree that's not getting enough water over a long period of time, and you damage its roots, and then the wind blows. And even the mightiest trees on earth will fall. But then somebody had this brilliant idea. Fences! Can you imagine that brainstorming meeting? All right, I got, I got, I got a crazy idea. Let's not let the people do that anymore. <laughs> Promote that guy. Right? Fences. And here's what happened. As they started putting up fences, it kept people off the roots. It pushed people back. 
And what he did now, fast forward, the trees are preserved, the trees are healthy, the trees are protected. Why? Because that's just what fences do. And I believe that God is teaching us a lesson for the soul in fences. Come on, on this journey of God emancipating the greatness that he put on the inside of us, that God put his glory and his grace and his gifts and his goodness on the inside of every single one of us. And what God wants to do is get what he put in you, out of you for his glory in the world around you. Do you still believe that? Come on, that God wants to get that book out of you. God wants to get that business out of you. God wants to use you to impart generational blessing into your family line. God wants to increase the influence that you have in your community for the kingdom. God wants you to see your family members getting saved. God wants to see the kingdom come in your life. God wants to lose the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit in you and through you to the world around you. But here's the idea. Before we explode outward, we need to get healthy inward. And here's how I'd say it. Here's how I'd say it. I wanna put it up here. If I grow immense on my outside without a fence for my inside, the winds of life will blow and my damaged roots won't be able to keep me from falling. Woo, look out. Because a lot of us are like, God, promote me. God, give me that family. God, give me my next. God, give me the ministry. God, give me the gifts. And God's like, no, no, no. I got too much love for you to do that. Because here's the problem. You're gonna get top heavy and your root system isn't strong enough to support you. And then the affair is gonna tempt you. And then the pride's gonna tempt you. And then the money's gonna tempt you. And your roots aren't strong enough to keep you from falling. So what do we need to do? Thank God for fences. Thank God for fences. God has given us the blessing of boundaries to be able to protect our roots, to keep us healthy so we can make it for the long haul. Because listen, guys, I'll say it again. Too many of us in this life, life is pressing in. Come on, all around us. Anybody feel that? Like life is all over us. Sin never leaves us. People don't respect boundaries. Like people are all up in our business and what it is, it's the small footsteps, consistent pressure over time. It compacts our soil. And what happens is we're not getting the soul nutrition that we need. Our love for Jesus grows cold. The temptation comes. Timber. I don't know about you. I'm tired of seeing megachurch pastors fall. I'm tired of seeing friends fall. Tired of seeing family members drift from the Lord. Come on, somebody. But here's the thought. We put fences around the things that are valuable. Right? Come on. General Sherman has a fence around it. Come on. You know, in a form, there's a fence around the Mona Lisa right now. How dare you? That's oppressive to my reality. There's a fence around the Declaration of Independence. You can't go up and touch that thing. Why? Because you'd ruin it. Oh, I'm just one person. Yeah, but there's a billion of you. There's a billion of us who want to touch it, breathe on it, right? And what happens is we degrade it. There's a, there's a fence around your house. You know that? It's called a front door. Just nobody can come into your house, right? You put a fence around things that are valuable. Why? Because fences keep bad things out and good things in. 
Fence keeps a stranger, I mean, out of your backyard, right? And a fence keeps your kids from running out into traffic, right? Fences keep bad things out and good things in. And here's the question, guys. Here's, oh, goodness. If we put fences around the things that are most valuable in life, why is it that so few of us have fences around the most important areas of us? And I'll ask you this question. I mean, let's put that back up there. This is a really important question. You need to go and chew on this. Let it bug you if you don't have an answer. What fences have I put in my life to protect my roots to ensure I'll thrive for the long haul? Do you have an answer for that? What fences do I have? What boundaries do I have? In every single area that's important, what boundary, what fence have I actually erected so that I'll be able to make it for the long haul? So here's what we're doing over the next few weeks. We're gonna talk about some, some fences that are absolutely non-negotiable. Absolutely non-negotiable. That if you're gonna make it for the long haul, we have to have these fences because here's what it does. Here's what it does. We draw a boundary line around this space, whatever the space is that's worth protecting, and then from there, we push out everything that doesn't belong in that space. We drive out all the mess from inside this boundary to protect our roots, to keep us from a fall, to ensure that we can actually make it for the long haul. And if we rewind back to the very beginning, we see the first fence that God ever created. Right, God speaks, let there be light. And there was light, heavens, earth, plants, animals. God created for six days in Genesis 2.2, says by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Everybody say holy. It's the first time the word holy is ever used in the Bible. Because on that day, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And it's here that we learn that the first fence that God ever created was around time. The first fence God ever created was around time. Listen, you would think, right? If you're a thinker, like you would think that when God creates, like God creates heaven, God creates, creates earth, that the first holy thing that God would do would be to create a holy place, right? Isn't that what you think about? Like when you think about the Bible, there are holy places, holy spaces. Like God would create a holy mountain. God would create an holy altar, Right? Before God creates a holy space, God creates holiness in time. And that word for holy right there is the Hebrew word kadosh. Kadosh means holy. It means specifically to be set apart for a special purpose. Holy means to be set apart for a special purpose. Pay close attention here. For six days, God creates, and he calls it what? Good. All right, y'all went to Sunday school. Awesome. But the seventh day, God rests and he calls it holy. There are six good days and one holy day. Six good days and one holy day. There is only one day that's set apart for a special purpose. Now the question is, what's the special purpose? Genesis 2, 3, right? We just read it. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Why? Because on it, he Shabbat. On it, he rested 
from all the work of creating that he had done. Yes, the first fence that God ever created was around time, but more specifically, the type of time that God drew a fence around was not around work time, but around rest time. That word Shabbat, also the first time it's ever used in the Bible. That word Shabbat in the Hebrew, we translate it, we say Sabbath. It's to cease to abstain, to end, to stop. Do you get the idea? Do you need more of those? Like, like stop it, stop, stop, like a cat, spray it with water. That's what God does for you on the seventh day, on the Sabbath. Stop it, stop it. God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. He made it set apart. Why? Because he Sabbathed, he ceased, he abstained, he ended, he stopped all the work that he was doing. On the seventh day, God drew a fence around it, pushed all the work out and say, no, this time is set apart. This time is not like all the other time. This day is not like all the other days. Listen, guys, hear this. We have a God who sees six days as good but only sometime is holy. Only sometime is holy. Only sometime is set apart for a special purpose. And what God is imparting to us from the very beginning, listen, we have to get this into our American minds, okay? Unless you're from Cameroon, and then God bless you. You gotta get into your Cameroon mind. <laughs> Especially here in America. Listen, this, this thing is driven into us from a young age, right? Work ethic, work ethic, gotta work, gotta work, gotta get the trophy, gotta get the promotion, gotta get ahead, gotta get the next step, gotta get the thing. If it's gonna be, it's up to me, right? God says, I know you live in that world. I know there's more sales to be made. I know you gotta take the kids to the ball game. Come on, I know you gotta go run some errands. I know there's more chores to be done. I know there's a kingdom that wants to come. I know there's people who need to be healed. I know there's people who need to hear the gospel. I know you got work to do. I know there's battles to be won. And God knows that we're gonna dive head first into all those things. But what he's actually saying is, yes, you're gonna work because you live in a world that all it knows how to do is work but what you need to learn how to do is rest and to rest my way. Rest my, think about this. Adam and Eve were created on what day? Ooh, that one's more complicated. <laughs> day six. What was the next day after their creation? Rest. God did not create Adam and Eve to enter into work. He created them to enter into rest. Because the world commands you to work, God commands you to rest. God says there are six good days to work, but there's one day that you draw a fence around it and you Sabbath, you Shabbat, you cease, you end, you desist, you stop, and you push out every ounce of work that should not be in this space. God says, listen, that your rest is worth protecting. Your rest, you may have never heard that before. Your rest is worth protecting. In fact, it's a command. It's a command. The Sabbath is such a big deal to God that it made his top 10 list. It's the fourth of the 10 commandments. Here it is, Exodus 20, Exodus 20, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it what? Holy Kadosh. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do some work. <clears throat> On it, it's okay to do your errands. 
On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. And it's here that we learn our second truth, is that the Sabbath is the gift of a day. The first fence that God ever created was the fence around time, and inside that, that time that he protected was this day, this gift called the Sabbath. God has created, I want you to think about it like this, God has created an oasis every single week. God has created a vacation for you every single week called the Sabbath. We get the gift of a whole day every single week where we stop, cease, end, desist, Shabbat, where we Sabbath. Why do we stop? Because he stopped. He set the rhythm, right? God set the rhythm for how life is supposed to work, that you work for six days and then you stop, then you Sabbath. God gave us the gift of this fence around time where we push everything back. But listen, somehow we think the Sabbath is the only one of the 10 commandments that we don't have to do, right? Come on, I, I know I shouldn't have any other gods you know, before God, I know I shouldn't have any idols, I know I probably shouldn't lust after my neighbor's spouse. Probably a good idea, right? But the Sabbath, <laughs> brother, I've been set free from the law. <laughs> Don't be so legalistic. Come on, guys. We've been set free from the law, but breaking the law still has some consequences. Come on. You know that committing adultery still has consequences, right? You can't have an affair and be like, honey, don't be so legalistic. I've been set free from the law. Last time we'll ever see you, brother. <laughs> and I won't have mercy on your soul. Breaking the Sabbath still has consequences. It absolutely, listen, the old mentality was what? The old mentality was, work yourself to the bone. There'll be plenty of time to rest when you're dead, brother, right? The only problem was those guys died. <laughs> they're not here anymore because now they're resting in their 30s when they died. But God has given us a gift called today, called the Sabbath, called Shabbat, to cease, to end, to desist, to stop. Because so many of us, we're going so fast and we're so addicted, and we're so panic-ridden, we're so anxiety-ridden, we're so worrying-ridden, we're so overcome. Why? Because we don't have a fence around a day that says to all work, get out! You're not welcome here. You don't come inside this space. I get a 24-hour reprieve every single week from work. I don't care if man says it, God says it. God says it. God says it, God says it. Write this down, write this down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, you should be taking notes, but write this down. Because how are you gonna remember all this? Unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. Unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. In the Old Testament, God told the, the Israelites to um, not only themselves take a Sabbath every seven days, but to actually let the land rest every seven years. He had given a foreshadow of this in, in the desert, right? When he's sending manna. Um, he says to the Hebrew people, he says, go actually gather twice as much on the sixth day because that will last you for the seventh day. Don't gather on the seventh day. And so what God is saying, hey, I've given you enough in six days. Trust me with the seventh day, right? And so what God says, he tells them the same thing. He says, hey, let the land rest every seven. How many of you know it takes a little bit more faith 
to, to take a whole year off for the land than it does every seventh day, but it still takes faith. Here's the problem. The people never did it. And they didn't do it for 490 years. And we know that because that number's significant. If you're not very good at math, 490 years means there would be 70 Sabbaths for the land. And then here's what happens. The Babylonians come and they invade and they conquer Israel and they take the entire nation off into captivity. And then God tells us something very interesting. Second Chronicles 36, 21. He says, the land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled just as the prophet had said. God allowed the Babylonians to come in and conquer Israel so that the land could recover all of its stolen Sabbaths. Listen, listen guys, listen. The Israelites had skipped 490 years of Sabbath. Come on, you do something for 490 years, you probably think you're getting away with it. <laughs> At some point, you're like, oh, that wasn't really a big deal. God wasn't really serious. Come on, God's not even watching but those missing Sabbaths were not evaporating, they were accumulating. And then eventually they were called in and the whole nation collapsed. COVID, hello, anybody? <laughs> Unobserved Sabbaths accumulate for you too. Come on, we skip one, then we skip two, then we skip three. Now we're living without a fence of rest around our lives. Now our days and our weeks and our months, they start bleeding together and we're working without boundaries. We're working without ends. Our roots are getting trampled on consistent pressure over time. It's beginning to wear us down and we start wavering as the winds are blowing. And here's the problem, guys, is that when we start living that way, our adrenaline goes up, but our serotonin goes down. You wanna get like really technical for a second. Adrenaline and serotonin are not friends. All right, see, serotonin is the thing that helps you to sleep. All right, adrenaline is the thing that's that fight or flight. And as we start working without end, without any rhythm, our adrenaline goes through the roof and our adrenaline shuts down our serotonin. So here's the deal. You're not sleeping very good right now. How did you know? I'm a prophet. <laughs> that's how I know. Because <laughs> your serotonin's down. Why? Because your adrenaline's high. And the problem is adrenaline makes you feel like Superman because it's that fight or flight. It keeps you on edge. You're like, I feel really sharp right now. I've been drinking like 12 cups of coffee. I feel really sharp. No, it's because you have no boundaries. And so I'm really sharp, right? And I'm Superman, right? I'm on edge. I'm getting all the work done. But the problem is over the long haul, our adrenaline is actually corrosive to your body. It will give you premature arthritis, it will give you anxiety. It'll trend towards depression. Listen, here's what adrenaline does. It makes your highs really high and your lows really low. And we live on that and then we crash. And it's almost like David says in Psalm 23, right? Right, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. Has the Lord ever made you lie down? Come on. If he didn't make you lie down, you weren't gonna make it. Sometimes we're like, oh, why is this sickness on me? Listen, sometimes the Lord's like, stop it. I don't know what else to do with you, man. Sometimes I gotta let your mess catch up with you or else you're gonna die before your time. And here's what I found out a long time ago. If I die before my time, the Lord's ministry will continue, but I won't continue with it. 
My family will have to find a way to limp on, but they'll have to do it without me. Guys, where's your fence? Where's our fence? We weren't made to live like this. Why? Because unobserved Sabbaths accumulate and they wear us down. Write this down too, write this down. The Sabbath is my day to pray and play. Eugene Peterson said that. The Sabbath is my day to pray and play. If you're wondering what you're supposed to actually do on the Sabbath, two things, pray and play. See, we have to understand this, guys. The Sabbath is not a day off, right? Or else we'll treat it, come on. That's a secular Sabbath. A secular Sabbath is when we do this. I exchange my work to-do list with my work at home to-do list. Have you ever gone back to work, like on Monday, and you're just as tired as you were on Friday? That's your first tell. I don't actually have a spiritual Sabbath. I may have a secular Sabbath, but I don't have a spiritual Sabbath. We're not interested in secular Sabbath. Let that be your first day off if you work five days. I'm interested in a spiritual Sabbath because that's where Jesus is. See, true Sabbath is resting with purpose. How often do you rest with purpose to pray and to play? Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. See, this is how every Sabbath should begin, I believe. Maybe you're laying in bed. And you wake up, and your first thought is, God, I am entering into a day that I did not make. And nothing I do today will keep the world spinning. As my feet hit the ground, I'm entering into a salvation that I did not earn. Every good thing I have has been given to me. I am a recipient of grace. Are you tired? Are you weary? Come to Jesus. Join yourself to him. I found this quote, because the world is full of so many ugly things. On the Sabbath, I must feed my soul beauty. When was the last time you fed your soul beauty? Isaiah 6, gazing on the beauty of the Lord, letting his peace rule in my heart, sharing fellowship with him, reading my Bible, sitting with him in prayer, raising my hands in worship, being contemplative in reflection. Come on, when was the last time you reflect? God, God created for six days and he looked back and he said, it's good. See, I was, I, listen, you, I, we were created to create for six days and then on the seventh day to look back and ask, was it good? And if it was, celebrate. We don't celebrate enough. If it wasn't, change it. Where were your high spots? Where were your low spots this last week? Where were you weak? Where were you strong? Identify it. Change it. I'm absolutely convinced of this, that the reason why people have midlife crisis is because they don't live a life of examination. 
God has given you the gift of a day every seven days where you pray, where you play, where you turn around, where you look back and you ask, was it good? Was it good? Listen, guys, listen, listen. Let me step on your toes for a second. Our kids are getting older and we're missing it. I hate to break it to you, you're getting older and you're missing it. Allow me to say this. You keep saying, I know I'm gonna get married someday. But I, just, I can't stop working. And so because you're always working, you're never actually in situations where you can meet people. Married people, you keep saying, well, one day we're gonna have a baby. But just one more milestone, one more promotion, one more year. I just need you to work one more year. And then our 20s are gone. Our 30s are gone, then the 40s, then the 50s, then it starts rolling downhill. What can bring it back under control? The Sabbath. The Sabbath, man. A fence around every seventh day. It says, get out of here. I need to stop and I need to think. And I don't need to think about work. I need to think about life and God and what he's doing and what he wants to do where I'm going. Listen, a great question, a great question to ask is this, on the Sabbath is, is if I lived the next six years like I lived the last six days, where would I be? Would I still love Jesus? Would my kids still love me? Would I still be married? Would I be married? Because God has given you a gift of a day to do two things, to pray and to play. So what does it look like to play? Well, what brings you joy? Do it without guilt. Come on, I heard this said before. If you work with your mind, you rest with your hands. If you work with your hands, you rest with your mind. In other words, like if you're just sitting at a, at a, at a desk all day long, right, and sending emails, your, your rest, your joy is not like doing more of that at home. Like, I had four steps today, like, burned six calories, right? Like, that's not the idea. Man, go on a hike. Like, if that's rest for you, go on a hike. Go work out. Go sit at a park. Do the old man thing and, like, feed some ducks. Like, do whatever you... <laughs> Read a book. I get, Listen, I give you permission to play a video game if you need to. Rest. Go on a date. Spend time with your kids. Go to a ball game. I went to a movie on Thursday. It was crazy. We can do that again. <laughs> Get off your phone and just be alive. You want to know why you need to play? Because you're not a slave anymore. Amen. You're not a slave anymore. <laughs> Deuteronomy 5. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Come on. And the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Listen, you Sabbath to remember you're not a slave anymore. You're darn right I'm not a slave. Hold on, hold on. When was the last time you answered a work email on your Sabbath? When was the last time you answered a work phone call, a work text? When was the last time you did errands on the Sabbath? 
See guys, we've been set free, but too many of us are still living like slaves. Slaves can't play. Slaves don't get a day off. This is why God did this for the Hebrews. You understand that for 400 years, they didn't get a day off. Why? Because slaves don't get days off. So God said, you're not a slave anymore. Because here's the problem with slavery, or one of the problems, you don't have an identity anymore. Listen, all they were was a social security number. All they were was an employee identification number. You understand this, right? I just, I, I hate to, we sometimes we have to, we gotta talk really honest in here. If you die to, like tomorrow, they're gonna have your job listed next week. <laughs> Same thing with me, listen. So I hope that your life is more significant than your work. And that's what God says the Sabbath is for, is to remind you that you're not a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter of the living God. Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, you're no longer slaves. Now I call you friends. Did you know that's your identity now? You're a friend. You're a friend of God. You've been set free from slavery to work. You've been set free from slavery to people's expectations. And you've been set free even from the expectations of trying to please your boss. Why? Because he's not your slave master. And listen, if you say, oh, my, my bosses won't even give me a day off. Well, listen, that is his fault, but it's also your fault. Because you allowed him to be God in your life. Or her to be God in your life. Listen, we gotta take ownership in this too if we're allowing people to violate our fences. Is what they say, no, you gotta come in, you gotta, is, that, is, is what they say more powerful than what God says about your life? Draw a fence and enforce the fence, keep the fence. You've been given the day of rest. It's a gift. And now I know this, now I know some of you, if you say, well, I work a regular, maybe you work a regular nine to five, five days a week, whatever, that's how we get my 40 hours, whatever that is, okay? Maybe some of you are saying, well, I, I don't have enough time in five days to do all the work that I need to do. It's a crazy thing. You have day six. <laughs> Listen, biblically, they had a six-day work week. <laughs> How dare you step on my Saturdays? Listen, I'm not stepping on your Saturdays. That's what, we don't have a Saturday night service anymore. Thank you, you're welcome. <laughs> to the staff. <laughs> but here's the idea, guys. What we do, this is, listen, God told the Hebrews to gather enough on the sixth day so they could take the seventh day off. Do you understand? Here's our problem. We take the word, like our errands and our house stuff and whatever that is, and instead of doing it on the sixth day, we spread it across the sixth and the seventh day. And so it's like we're always working. What if you took everything that you had to do around house or whatever it was and pack the sixth day so on the seventh day you enter in to rest without guilt? God has given you enough time to do everything that he's called you to do in six days. So on the seventh day, you can rest. On the seventh day, you can rest. Listen, guys, the Sabbath is not the day that we squeeze in church between errands and preparing for Monday. The Sabbath is not the day we spend in Florida because the kids have a travel ball tournament 
this day is set apart. This day is kadosh. This day is holy. The Sabbath is the day I intentionally don't do the things I need to do. It's the day I do the things I want to do. The Sabbath is my day to not check email, to not check social, and I don't feel guilty about it. Whoever I want you to post. The world will still be here tomorrow. And if it's not, I'll be with Jesus. Right? The Sabbath is my day to put my phone down. Oh, that's a whole different message. Here's the problem, guys. God's leading us to still waters and green pastures but too many of us are too busy taking selfies in front of it to enjoy it. Right, here I am in front of the green pastures. Here I am drinking the still waters. Right, look at me, how many likes did I get on that one? How many comments? Oh, I I gotta put a filter on the green pastures picture, it's not green enough. I see people on their vacations blowing it up. Woo, and then responding to every comment. I'm like, you weren't resting at all. You're just checking something. Every, refresh, refresh. Oh, only have four likes. Refresh, 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 refresh. Dude, sit by the still waters. Sit in the green pasture. Put, when was the last time you turned your phone off? Well, it's run out of battery. I don't know the last time. To turn it off if you need to. Sabbath is my date day with summer. The Sabbath is the day I'm most available to my kids. The Sabbath is my day to enjoy a long meal. The Sabbath is my day to trust that I can do more with six days in God than seven days by myself. Same idea as tithing. Tithing is believing I can do more with 90% in God than 100% by myself. I believe I can do more in six days with God than seven days by myself. How do I know Chick-fil-A? They are my inspiration. If you ever need an inspiration that you can do more in six days than in seven with God, Chick-fil-A. The Sabbath is the day I stop working on the world so God can work on me. And the Sabbath is the day I draw a circle around it and I say no work touches this day. And the Sabbath is also the day that Jesus says, You weren't created for it. It was created for you. So don't get legalistic about it, but listen, enjoy it. It's a gift. It's good. It's an honor that God would give you a gift of one day every week that is like the first day of your retirement. Every week you get to step into that. It's a gift. And here's the last truth, okay? The Sabbath is the gift of a day, but the Sabbath is also a daily gift. Sabbath is also a daily gift. One of the most beautiful realities is that when we're born again, we realize that our true Sabbath, maybe you don't understand this yet, but our true Sabbath is not found in a day, it's not found in a pill, not found in a sin, it's not found in a church service. Our real soul Sabbath is found in a man. Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Sabbath. We agree with King David, who says, my soul finds rest in God alone. 
My soul doesn't find rest in a day. My body may find rest in a day, but that's how you're still weary on Monday because your soul never rested. My soul finds rest in God alone. And what is so sweet is that I don't have to wait until the Sabbath day to find rest in God. I can find rest in Jesus at any moment, any day, any time, any place. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says this. He says, come to me once a week on the Sabbath. Nah, come to me anytime you need to. I'm here, I'm available to you. I'm not trapped in a church building. I'm not trapped on a Sunday. Come on, the curtain's been torn. You have access to God now. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're wondering, what is Jesus gonna give me when I, when I come to him? He's gonna give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. See, here, here's the idea, guys. Sabbath is the day where I exchange what I've been yoked to to taking on Jesus' yoke. Yoke is this thing they put on oxen. Here's what a yoke does. It keeps me going the same speed as the one I'm yoked to. It keeps me going the same direction as the one that I'm yoked to. So if you're yoked to Jesus, you won't burn out because I'm going his speed and his direction. And I learn from him. Why? Because Jesus is gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why can we do that? Because Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's not fictional. He's not sitting up in heaven somewhere far away. No, he's right here. Jesus wants the Sabbath to become an attitude and a lifestyle. Wherever I am, I can pause and find Jesus right there right there. When was the last time we paused and said, this moment is kadosh. This moment is holy. Yeah, I know I'm going to have the day out there, but listen, these three minutes, I draw a fence around it and I get a mini Sabbath right here, right here. When I awake in the morning, Jesus is there. When I go to sleep at night, Jesus is there. When I'm worried, Jesus is there. When I'm anxious, Jesus is there. When I'm happy, Jesus is there. When I'm tired, Jesus is there. When I'm tempted, Jesus is there. When I'm wondering how in the world I'm gonna hold it all together, I draw a circle around that moment and I say, Jesus, you are here. And I let the peace of Jesus Fill my soul. Guys, we have to understand that we can create a holy space and a holy time at any time in any space. That whenever I need a pause, I can draw a fence around that moment and I can find God right there. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's have a Sabbath right now right now here in the space. Here's what I want us to do, okay? I want us to draw a fence around this moment. Draw a fence. Just to even, even if you just gotta imagine yourself sitting in your seat, okay? Draw a fence around this moment. 
and I know you got stuff to do. Some of you just said, I'm not doing it today. I know you got places to be. Some of you just said, I'm not doing it today. Because I might need to do it, but I don't want to do it. And if today's your Sabbath, draw a circle. And here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to push all of our concerns out of that circle. We're going to push all of our worries outside of that circle, our errands outside of that circle, the to-do list outside of that circle. And we're just going to find Jesus. You'll find that when you push it all out, the only thing that's left is Jesus. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we repent for too often not treating time as holy. God, there's a lot of good time, but there's only a select space that's called holy. And so God, we acknowledge the holiness of this moment, that this is a kadosh set apart and we receive the gift of time that we are no longer slaves to work the same way we're no longer slaves to our past we belong to no person we belong to no corporation we belong to no to-do list Come on, some of you, you've set goals for this year and those goals have become your master. I am not a slave to any goal. I belong to Jesus. I wanna pause right now in the holiness of this moment and say some of you, God's moving on you. Jesus is knocking on your heart. You need to respond to that right now. You've been out doing your own thing and God is calling you in. God is God of the Sabbath. God is the God of rest. God is the God of all creation the good days, the holy days, the God of it all. And if today you say, I want God to be the God of me too, I wanna invite you into this prayer. I'm gonna pray with you. Just pray like this, say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life so I could live. You went to the cross to pay for my sins. So right now, I turn from my way, my plans, my pace, my busyness, my sins, I turn to you. I receive salvation by grace, through faith. I'm a new person. I am born again. I'm alive and forgiven and free. I'm not a slave. I'm a child of God right now. Heaven is my home. You're my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna keep this circle. We're gonna have a circle moment. Draw a circle around your heart. Draw a circle around your time, your mind, your thoughts. Say, I'm spending this moment right here with Jesus. With Jesus. Have a mini Sabbath right here. Push all the work out, all the worry out, all the stress out, all the to-do list out. It's just me and Jesus.